Well, my name is John McCombs. I'm an assistant pastor here at City Reformed. It is good to be with you all tonight. I, I, uh, I'd like to get a show of hands first. Who was at the picnic? All right. So a lot of you, it's a long day, right? Could, if you couldn't tell that uh, Andy was dragging, you'll be able to tell that I'm dragging, I think, a little bit. Were you dragging a little bit? Maybe, a little, you know, out in that hot sun, and then the rain chased it off for a little bit? Okay, so some of us, it's been, it's been a long day. We're a little bit tired, but the Lord will... Uh, will be with us. I, I see many uh, new faces tonight, right? Um, so uh, I just invite you guys to stick around after. We have some refreshments, get to know people. I don't know where everyone's from, but there's some new folks here. And so uh, welcome. It, it's great to have you. City Reform has uh, one service in the morning in the summers and then one here in the evening. In the school year in the past, we've done two services in the morning. Uh, so you've made your way to Squirrel Hill to the Community Day School, and we are glad to have you uh, with us. Uh, just in case you're interested in coming in the morning, we don't meet here in the mornings, okay? So we're at the 20th Century Club in Oakland, all right? So uh, you can find us uh, online, but it is good to have you uh, with us today. Today we're going to look at Psalm 23. Who knows the 23rd Psalm? Will you raise your hand if you know the 23rd Psalm? Will you raise your hand if you've heard a sermon about the 23rd Psalm? Yeah, will you raise your hand if you've been to a funeral where you've heard the 23rd Psalm? So you've heard a lot about the 23rd Psalm, and usually it's associated with funerals uh, and death. And I think it has much to say with that. There's much comfort there, but I think it goes beyond that. I think it's a psalm for life and death and beyond. Uh, and it's one that I want to treasure with you guys here tonight for a few moments. Uh, and then we'll have the opportunity to uh, partake of the Lord's uh, Supper together. So the 23rd Psalm, our custom here in the evening service, uh, as well as the morning now, is after I read God's word to say, this is the word of the Lord, and you can respond with, thanks be to God. Okay, so I'll read uh, the 23rd Psalm for us here. Uh, we will say that, I'll pray, uh, and we'll hear what God has to say to us this evening. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray again. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you now. Lord, we ask that you would be pleased to speak to us. Father, how we need to hear from you. Father, how we need a shepherd. Lord, how we need a king. So, Father, lead us even now. Draw every single person here closer to your throne of grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, my recorder is sliding back and forth. I'll just put it down here and hopefully that'll stay there. The 23rd Psalm. There are lots of songs that you may have heard that speak about life. 
There are lots of songs that you've maybe heard that speak about death. There are lots of songs that try and think about what is beyond death in our popular culture. Let me give you a smattering. Maybe some of these will, will, uh, will strike you. I try to get a good selection here, okay? So songs about uh, living, right? There are a lot of songs about living, a lot of songs about living any way you want. Uh, Aerosmith, Dream On. Dave Matthews Band, any of those fans out there? I am one, I have them. Okay, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry. Right? That may not be the name of the song, but you know the song, Eat, Drink, and Be Merry, for Tomorrow We Die, if you're a Dave Matthews fan. There are a lot of songs that shake their fist at death. Right? You guys didn't know I was going to go Notorious B.I.G. on you tonight, but Ready to Die. Right? That's the song, Ready to Die. He thought he was ready to die. I, I hope he was. 50 Cent, uh, Many Men with Death. Right? Metallica, fade to black. Kind of like shaking their fist at it, like I'm ready for this thing. Uh, some that pretend uh, it doesn't exist at all. Any the Smiths fans out there? Anybody remember the Smiths from back in the 80s? Um, yeah, uh, that could be the reason so many people in our culture are depressed today. If you listen to the Smiths a lot, if you're familiar with them. Uh, I actually like them a lot. My sister really liked them a lot. Okay, a song, A Light That Never Goes Out. Really pretending that... You know, death just doesn't exist. Probably a reincarnation theme there. Uh, many uh, just uh, would assume that everything will be okay, right? So just trying to ignore the reality almost altogether, wishful thinking. Uh, you could think of the blue oyster cult. Uh, don't fear the reaper. Right? Uh, you could even think, you didn't think I was going to go here either. Uh, bone thugs and harmony, right? See you at the crossroads like everyone gets there. See you at the crossroads, right, where you won't be lonely. They're a Cleveland band. I had to throw in a Cleveland band. You know, we're allowed to root for things from Cleveland as, in this city as long as they're not football, baseball, which, or uh, hockey, right? And uh, Cleveland only has two of the three. Really, I mean, let's be honest, they really only have one of the three. <laughs> Sorry about that, Cleveland fans and my sisters. Um, uh, yeah, I have two of them that live there. I lived there for a while myself. So lots of people with lots of things uh, to say, right? Even P. Diddy, right, had a tribute to those who have departed. It was a remake. He spun it back, right, that I'll Be Missing You song, right, for uh, Notorious B.I.G. So lots of people with lots of things to say about life, about death, about what's beyond, about what comes beyond that. Well, I think the 23rd Psalm, is a, it's a song, right? Let's not forget these psalms are Songs, right? If you've never heard this psalm sung, Google the Blind Boys of Alabama, right? 23rd Psalm. They'll give you a nice, funky rendition, uh, full of soul and gospel, and it's great. They're one of my favorite bands or favorite groups. This is a song, right? And it's a song for life. It's a song for real life. It's a song for real life in a fallen world. It's not just a song for life, though. It's a song for death, too. Uh, and it's a song for what comes beyond. Now, you know and understand probably the power of music in your life, right? And, 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 and the way some of these songs can impact you and impact your thinking. And so I want us to think about this song tonight and let this song uh, impact our thinking. I want us to hear what it has to say about life and death and beyond. Right? And then I want us to challenge ourselves, which songs will we listen to? Which songs will we really listen to about these very serious topics, right? About this thing that we only get one shot at, 
and about aspects of this that we have no control over. So which song will we trust? Whose voice will be leading us at the end of the day? Who is our shepherd? Who is our king? Are we listening to his voice? Will we sing his song? And I hope you'll join me tonight in singing this song in your heart. Uh, Not literally. We're not going to sing the 23rd Psalm, although we could have. But you don't want me to lead you in any kind of songs. Let's let this shepherd lead us in this song. And why should we sing this song? Well, we should sing this song because the voice of this shepherd is leading us somewhere. He's taking us on a journey. No matter what voice you're listening to, it's taking you somewhere. But only this shepherd, only this king is taking you home. So I want to charge you tonight to listen to the only shepherd who can truly take you home. Take you to the feet of God himself. Take you to where we were created to be as those made in his image. So I'm going to start off in verse 2 here. And what I'd like to do is first answer the question, what kind of shepherd is this? It won't take you long to realize who this shepherd is. Uh, But I want to look at a little bit in verses 2 through 3 at what kind of shepherd he is. And I want to do that uh, by looking at a lot of New Testament texts with you tonight. Uh, This is just going to give little snippets about what this shepherd does, but I want to see that in action. And I want to do that from the Gospel of Mark, even just from a few chapters. You could do this in Matthew, you could do it in Luke, you could do it in John. You can see the good shepherd uh, at work. And the first thing we see in verse 2 here is that this shepherd is one who makes me, this is David, the psalmist here. And of course we know that David was a shepherd, right? Uh, David was also a king, and I think this psalm is speaking to both aspects. Right? I don't think it's just speaking right, uh, about shepherding aspects. I think it's also talking about kingly aspects. But David, the king and the shepherd, is talking about the one who is his shepherd, as he pronounced in verse 1. And he's saying, first of all, that he makes me lie down in green pastures. That is, he gives me rest. Who needs rest? We all need rest. I need some rest tonight. This is a day of rest. God has given us a day of rest. Oh, but there's a picture here in Mark chapter 6, if you're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000. I put all these in your additional scriptures. Uh, So again, I'll be in the Gospel of Mark much today. Mark chapter 6. Let's look at this account here. And perhaps you've never noticed some of these details that are in there. Starting in verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Here were these grown men so tired from the work that they had been doing. And there was no rest for the weary. And of course, John the Baptist had just passed away. And so not only are they tired, but I would suggest to you they're probably mourning. Suggest to you even Jesus is mourning. So what does he do? He puts him in a boat. He takes him away to a desolate place for a while to get some rest. Of course, when they pull up to the shore, there's a whole bunch of people there. They've been followed, and people are flocking to see Jesus and learn from him at this point. Uh, and so uh, they saw the boats. They saw where they're going to land. There they are. And Jesus, who sees them on the shore, even though he's just as tired as they are, sees them. And they're like sheep without a shepherd. 
And the compassion in him just boils up. So what does he begin to do? He begins to teach them. And after he teaches them, uh, it's very, very late, and they're very hungry. There's not much food there, so what does he do? Well, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus takes all right, a, couple, a, couple, a couple fish and a few loaves. Do I have that backwards? Two loaves, five fish. Is that backwards? Five, five loaves, two fish. Did you know that five out of four people are dyslexic? Okay, I've heard that five out of four people are dyslexic. He takes five loaves, he takes two fish, and he sits them down. And that's where we pick up in verse 39. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups. And listen to this detail. On the green grass. Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Mark chapter 6. He commands them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. This is a picture of the shepherd at work. So they sit in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves and two fish. There it is. There's my help. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. Uh, and he, hooked, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, set them before the people. He divides the fish among them all. They all eat and were satisfied. They take up 12 baskets full of leftovers, of broken pieces and of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. That would be plus women and children. We're talking about a lot of people here. This shepherd is one who gives us rest. He gives us rest when we need it. He gives us rest even when we think we don't need it. Oftentimes, my children think they don't need rest. And had we, not brought, had we brought the two here who didn't think they needed rest, you would have all seen very clearly that they needed rest. They would have erupted tonight in all kinds of struggles and challenges because they had no naps today and made life difficult for all of us. So sometimes we as parents, we put our children down because we know what's best for them. God is the shepherd who gives us rest. He gives us it uh, when uh, we need it. He also leads us besides still waters. We see rounding out uh, verse 2. He leads us beside peaceful waters, waters that are at peace. Who can do that but the God who can make the waters still? Mark chapter 4, just a couple verses, uh, verses 35 and following. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and sea obey him? He is a God who gives us rest. He is a God who gives us peace. He leads us beside still waters. But oh, he does more than that. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He restores my soul. Has the Lord restored your soul? Now, your case may not be as extreme as the one we're about to read in, in Mark chapter 5, but if you're honest, you have your moments. Oh, do I have mine. How do we need, how we need the Lord to restore our souls? Mark chapter 5, uh, uh, this is the case of the demoniac. Right, so they come to the other side of the sea, the country, the Gerasenes, 
Right? And here's this man who is in chains. Right? And often breaks free of these chains. No one can contain this man. No one goes around this man. And his name is Legion. Right? Which means he has many demons inside of him. Night and day he cries out. He's tortured by these demons. Right? And what does Jesus come? Well, he comes to him. Uh, and he asks him, what is your name? He replies, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now the man is speaking. He begged him earnestly in verse 10 not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. I heard a pastor one time preach a sermon on that. He said they went over the cliff. And he said, did you know that pigs fly? (laughs) God can make pigs fly. Verse 14, the herdsmen uh, fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see uh, what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. This is a shepherd who restores minds and hearts and souls to the way he intended them to be. Has he done that for you? He does more than just restore. He also leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He does this for his glory. Leading us in paths of righteousness. Leading us in ways where we follow him. And of course he said in Mark chapter 8, that anyone who would come after me must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. So let's make no mistake here. He does restore us. He leads us in paths of righteousness, but that may not be easy. That's a path of Denying ourselves, taking up our crosses and following him. But if we are following the one who walked that way, then that is the way we must walk. That is the way he is leading us. So we see here this shepherd who is the good shepherd, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, giving us rest and peace, restoring us, sanctifying us, All for his name's sake, for his glory, the glory of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Above all, we see a picture of him leading us. He's leading us. And he's leading us to a good place. But he's not done leading yet. He's going to keep leading us in this psalm. And so that's what I'd like to ask from verses actually 4 through 6. Forgive my typo there if you're following along just with the short handout. Verses 4 through 6. He will continue... Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this is where many of the sermons you've probably heard have focused. About that walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Walking through life's darker days. And as we walk through that valley, we see that God is with us. This is not a God who leads us like so far in advance that we can barely see Him. He's a God who actually walks 
with us. That is right next to us, especially in the most difficult times of life. We can walk through those times knowing that He is with us. And He's not just with us during those difficult times, because those difficult times are often because of our own fault, our own foolishness. Uh, They're often because of attacks of the enemy. And He has two pieces of equipment to help us in either of those times. In those times when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, when life is just so difficult that we don't know what to do, God is with us and He is carrying in verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. His rod, a defensive weapon. In shepherd language, this would be to bat away, right? Wolves, cougars, coyotes, foxes, whatever might come and attack the sheep. Uh, To bat them away, he would have the rod. But he would also have a staff, often with a crook. You've seen a shepherd's staff, right? And there were so many things that a shepherd can do with those, uh, with these two just rudimentary tools or weapons. But this one in particular, shepherds, right, will nudge their sheep when they're getting into the wrong place. When they're about to go into a poisonous plant, when they're about to eat something they're not supposed to eat, when they're about to drink from muddy waters, just grab them by the neck gently and pull them over to the still waters. Pull them to the clean, clear waters that the shepherd knows that are there. Pull them away from that poisonous plant uh, to these, these green, beautiful pastures. Shepherds do other things with these. Uh, when sheep get turned upside down, a cast sheep, right? They'll, they'll slowly pick them up and over with these. They can take a, a, a baby lamb, right, and bring it back to its nursing mother without touching it because even if the shepherd touches it, the mother may reject it. So there's so much that they do both to protect us from enemies as well as for our own good, oftentimes even to protect us from ourselves. Now, not just shepherds, in the ancient Near East, used the rod and the staff. They're also pictures of kings. And so I think this psalm is doing both. I think David, who wrote it, is reflecting on both. And primarily, you've probably heard the shepherd aspect. Right? But there's a kingly aspect to this psalm as well. So what we see so far, he's leading us, but he's not just leading us like from a distance. He's actually walking with us, but the psalm gets even more intimate. If you notice in verse 4, we've now switched to second person language. This is getting more intimate, and the picture will get more intimate. The language has changed, but the scene will change too. So it's now saying, it's not talking about what he does. He makes me lie down like it did in the first few verses. Now it's saying, you are with me. In those difficult times, the shepherd drawing near so close saying, you're here, God. He's not just out there. You're here with me. So he's walking with us during these difficult times. But in verse 5, we see it goes a little bit further. We see that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who has ever been to uh, Savannah, Georgia? Anyone? If you've been there and you've not been to Mrs. Wilkes, You're missing out. Have you been to Mrs. Wilkes? It is a restaurant. Don't go to Paula Deen's. Go to Mrs. Wilkes. Okay. Old country place. Been cooking for years and years and years. Had this wonderful place. 
And here's how it works when you get there. You stand outside. The line can, work, can be like the entire length of the street. It's worth it. Trust me. They don't just let you in one or two at a time. They wait till a table is ready. They wait till there are about 15 people, at least 12, because these tables have about 15 seats. Right? And so then they bring you all in there, and you come to a table, and everything is already cooked. And everything you can think of is there. And you want to talk about a prepared table, you will never eat a better meal than that. Right. Um, so one notch, just one notch above what we had today. Right? When we got there uh, and Russell, one of their elders prayed and, 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 that, and you're like, wow, that food was ready. You go, it, it's a prepared table. Everything's ready. God prepares a table before us even in the presence of our enemies. In Mark chapter 14, we see him doing that very thing. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jaw of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and said to him one after another, Is it I? He said to me, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for him if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, This, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. See, God had a table prepared for his people in the Old Testament. It was the Passover. And Jesus came, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and transformed that meal into the very meal that we will observe tonight. But he's also talking about another meal there, is he not? He's talking about a table that is prepared for us. He said in the Gospel of John that he goes to prepare a place for us. In his Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. He has gone to prepare a place for us, and we see that in Revelation chapter 19, the quote that was at the very beginning of the bulletin tonight, if you read it. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. And His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. 
Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. The shepherd has always had a meal for his people. We have a meal tonight, but that just points to the great wedding supper of the Lamb. So he's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Shepherds would anoint the sheep with oil to keep flies and pests off of them. Kings were also anointed with oil as a picture of God's Spirit upon them. And not just anointed, but overflowing with oil. To the point where their cup overflows. The cup of God's salvation overflowing from Psalm 116. The cup that we looked at a few weeks ago as we went through that psalm. So we see this shepherd leading us. He's walking with us. He is dining with us. The text is getting more and more intimate. We're getting closer to this shepherd. We've been walking with him. Now we're dining with him at a table. But it gets even better. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. In verse 6. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This shepherd's goodness and mercy, if you are his sheep, is pursuing you. It is chasing after you. It will not leave you alone. Jesus, the good shepherd, is full of mercy, is full of chesed, His covenant steadfast love is full of goodness and He is pursuing you with that as your King and as your Shepherd. And why? That you may truly dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This Shepherd, this King has come to lead us and He has come to lead us home. David realized who this Shepherd was. David realized just how good this shepherd had been to him. David was willing to reject any of the other false shepherds or false kings or false idols or lords in his life because he knew who this shepherd was. He could say in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. A shepherd who guides me. A shepherd who protects me. A shepherd who is my physician, my healer. A shepherd who gives me rest and peace. A shepherd who... Uh, I hear his voice who walks with me, who dines with me, who is bringing me into his very house forever. That's where this shepherd is leading me. And that's where the shepherd is calling you to follow him. To let him lead you there. To draw you closer to him. Will you follow this shepherd? Is this Lord your shepherd? David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He was proud of this shepherd. He was proud to say that this is my God, this is my shepherd, this is who he is. These are all the things that he does for me. And I just ask you today, who else will do these things for you? Do you think you can do them for yourself? Has someone else promised that they can do them for you? What do you want? 
You see, if that's the case, what do you still want? If you're following that shepherd, if you're following that king, and you still want something, there's a problem, is there not? You've tried to follow them, and they're not delivering. They don't give you rest. They don't give you peace. They don't feed your soul and restore it. They're not preparing a table for you. They don't have room for you in their house. Not the way the shepherd does. David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. And the more he meditated on that, the more he thought about that, the more he saw and knew this good shepherd, the more he could say, I shall not want. That doesn't mean we don't have difficulties and struggles in this life, but look at this shepherd. Look at where... He's leading you. Will you follow him? Will you follow the only shepherd who can truly lead you home? Let's pray.